Welcome to Pickleball Therapy, the podcast dedicated to your pickleball improvement and your mental sanity. That's why it's called Pickleball Therapy. I am your host. My name is Tony Roig, and I am glad to be with you in this episode. Today, we take another step along our journey of understanding and of, of mental strength, mental awareness, and, and health as we continue to grow as pickleball players. What we're going to do today is we're going to shift gears a little bit. Uh, last uh, last week, we we went into goal setting, talked about some goal setting, setting expectations for yourself in 2024, uh, and hopefully you found that episode helpful. If you didn't get a chance to check out that episode, recommend you go back and check it out. It's a really good episode on framing goals in a more constructive way. This week, we're going to shift a little bit of gears here. I uh, got an email a, while, a little while ago from a pickleball therapist. Therapists are players who have made a commitment to themselves and their mental health growth um, that uh, in, they express that by becoming a therapist, pickleball therapist. If you want to know more, you can send me an email at therapy at betterpickleball.com and I'll send you the information and you can decide if it's right for you. But one of our therapists sent a question about uh, open play, how to deal with certain situations that arise in open play. And there's a practical component to this we're going to talk about, sort of like a strategic practical piece. And there's also a mental component to it. There's a part of it in terms of just framing how we feel about it and what happens when we play in these situations. So that's what we're going to cover today. And specifically, it has to do with when we're partnered with a quote-unquote weaker player. And that happens, right? A player who may not be quite at the level of our level or the level of the game, who's getting targeted, mercilessly targeted by their opponents. That's my word, not, uh, not John's. And I'll read you John's email in a second. Before we jump into the podcast, a couple of things coming up, uh, coming up uh, that, that actually one's already out that I wanted to tell you about is the we have a partner play course in our academy that I think you'll find really helpful if you want to know more about how to constructively play with partners. 99% of you out there are playing pickleball doubles primarily. That's your primary game. If you're playing doubles, you are playing a team sport. And, and as, as a team sport, there are aspects of the game that are really um, helpful to you to understand in terms of playing partner play and maximizing a partner play. Since that's what we're dealing with today, I wanted to make sure you knew that we had an entire course dedicated to that subject. It's a, it's a very uh, good course. Uh, it's gotten a lot of good feedback uh, from players who have benefited from, um, from hearing the concepts that are in that course. So check that out at the Better Pickleball Academy, you'll go to betterpickleball.com and I'll put a link in the show notes as well. Uh, and if you have a minute, please consider rating and reviewing the podcast. If you enjoy the podcast, it helps us reach other players just like you who would benefit from hearing the words that you're hearing in this podcast. One other quick note here, if you're watching us on YouTube, we do have a YouTube channel. I don't even know that or not, but we have a YouTube channel. It's called the same thing, Pickleball Therapy. So you go to YouTube, you type in Pickleball Therapy, you'll see my face on there. So you're welcome to watch uh, watch on YouTube as well if you want to. If you're on there, please subscribe to the channel. It helps us reach other players. Uh, and also let us know what you think about the this funky background that we're using in these few videos. I'm shooting these videos in front of a green screen. So just putting kind of a funky, chill background and let me know what you think down in the comments about it. All right, let's jump into this idea of, or this the question of how do we deal with certain situations in open play. And let me start by reading you the email from uh, John, one of our therapists. He says, I think it would be worth talking about how when we play with a weaker partner, even though he or she gets targeted by many who just want to win the game, uh, I don't reciprocate, but in fact, try to do the opposite and hit any balls that come my way to the stronger of my two opponents when I can. I think some more discussion on that would be beneficial to all. 
So John, thanks for the question. And thanks also for being mindful of when you're playing a, a, a partner or against opponents who may be, uh, you know, have an imbalance in their ability. One thing I would note here is be careful about um, over-targeting the strong player too, right? So you got to kind of balance it out. You know, if you're playing with an imbalanced team, you want to make sure that both of them get to play, you know, both players get to play. So sometimes what we can do is we can overcompensate the other way. And I've done it myself where, you know, you're like, you, you don't want a, a player to feel bad. So you end up hitting all the balls to the other player. And then the player who is the weaker player doesn't get to play either. So kind of balance it out a little bit, but let's talk about some ideas when you're dealing in open play, when you're playing in an imbalanced situation and your partner is getting targeted. I'm going to start with some practical advice I'll give you here. Made some uh, three different notes that I wanted to share with you in terms of practical advice, practical things that you can do to uh, play in a situation where there's a heavy imbalance and your partner is getting targeted. Number one is avoid targeting yourself. Now, I just we just talked about that a little bit, uh, and John mentioned that in, in his email that's something he doesn't do. It's 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 you know it's easy to fall into that trap, right? Where you know, you're in a game, the score gets a little tight, you know, seven, six or something like that. And you say, okay, I'm going to just go to the, I'm going to start targeting the weaker player because you know that that's easier point, right? Um, you kind of, you, you got to do a little soul searching and think through a little bit in terms of what is it that you're trying to accomplish out there? What are you trying to do? Um, you know, if you're trying to win the game, um, then, you know, target away. And I will say this, if you're playing in a competitive setting, tournament, uh, you know, a round robin where it's competitive, kind of a, everybody understands this is a competition, money ball, things like that, league. Targeting is perfectly fine. Okay, so targeting in and of itself is not a bad thing. Targeting sometimes not only is it a, a okay thing, you should target, right? If it's strategically correct to do in a competitive setting. I will tell you that when I play tournaments, I will target. Uh, and I will tell my partner or suggest my partner as a strategy that we target. We jokingly say sometimes you know, when we're targeting one player over another in that kind of competitive setting, you know, the the saying is basically what we say is uh, is you know if the if the player who we're not targeting, right, if the other the stronger player hits anything other than a serve or return a serve, then we made a mistake. So again, targeting in that context is fine. This question deals specifically with open play in an open play situation. We do not advise targeting. Uh, we think it's you know, it's just not, it's not good for the game. It's not good for anybody on the court. And it's frankly not good for the targeter, for the player doing the targeting, uh, because you're not getting the most out of that time that you have on the court. You know, we all have a limited number of games that we're going to play in our lives. Let's make the most out of it. So avoid yourself. Avoid targeting yourself when you're in the, in these situations. And then the other the, another practical piece of advice is make it harder for your opponents to target your partner. There's a couple of things you can do. The main thing is this. The main thing is you can hit shots to places that makes it harder for them to be targeted. And what I mean by that is, is let's say you're, you're hitting your return of serve. If you hit your return of serve to a spot that is diagonal or cross court from the partner that you want to protect, you're making it easier for your opponents to hit to that player, right? Because players love hitting their third shots cross court, diagonal, right? They love that shot. They like dinking diagonal too. They like it more than dinking straight. So if you can put balls in front of the quote unquote weaker player, right? The targeted player. By in front of them, I mean so that the ball has to be hit directly towards them. You're making it harder for your opponents to target that player with dinks and with third shots and things like that. Now, they could speed the ball up to them potentially. 
And if the player doesn't know how to get out of the way, that's problematic. But it is a way to, to, to try and funnel balls in your direction by hitting balls diagonal to you. So putting balls that are cross-court to you, inviting your opponents to hit balls into that spot, that into diagonal spot. Another thing that you can do is you can put yourself in the position that your opponents are trying to target. By position, I mean the place on the court. More often than not, players are enamored with the um, left side of the court up at the Nabali zone, right? So the the uh, odd side of the court up by the Nabali zone, which is the right-handed backhand of the left, the player on the left's right-handed backhand, right? If there's a right-handed player, that's the preferred spot on the court for a lot of players at a lot of levels. They'll hit that spot mercilessly again and again and again. So if you want to protect somebody, you know, protect a player, what you do is you put yourself there. Now that does require some knowledge of stacking, right? Because if you're in a situation where you would normally be on the right and your partner would be on the left and you want to protect that player, you're going to need to get over to the left side to cover that area of the court that that player's favor, uh, making it more uncomfortable for your opponents to then hit to the weaker player. So those are a couple of things that you can, well, one is advice for you not to target. And then there's two things that advice there in terms of taking the ball off of your um, weaker player's paddle sometimes or taking some stress off of them by hitting balls in front of them so that forcing the the uh, your opponents to try and hit direct to the player, straight to the player as opposed to diagonal. And then the other thing is putting yourself in the position that is favored by your opponents, the one that they the place they want to hit the ball. And then another piece of advice when you're playing with a weaker player uh, to make the game more competitive is you would then take more chances when you have the ball in front of you. So whenever you have a chance at the ball, you may need to be a little bit more aggressive, a little bit more, uh, open up the game a little more for yourself, take more chances because you're only going to get so many touches on the ball. You know that you're only going to get, you know, to touch every one out of every five balls or six balls or four balls, whatever it is. And so when you get that opportunity, you're probably going to have to try and do something with it if you know, in order to give yourself the best chance in the rally. So that's another thing that you can do from a practical standpoint. From a um, mental standpoint, right, when you're in these situations, let's, let me give you three tips in, in that area. Number one is, is, is managing expectations, right? You just need to manage the expectations when you're in these situations. Understand, you know, what's going on in the, in the, in the court, what's going on in the, in the, um, uh, you know, in the game and manage your expectations in that situation. Uh, you know, understand that you're you're obviously at a disadvantage. If your opponents decide to heavily target your partner and your partner is, in fact, there's a there's a significant imbalance on the court, yeah, you know, not realistic to expect that you're going to succeed in that game, right? Uh, and even if winning and losing isn't your main uh, metric, right, as we talk about in this podcast, then you know, you, 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 at the back of your mind, you're still like, you still want to win. I get that. So you're going to have to manage expectations when you're in the situations. Before I forget, there's one more practical tip I'm going to give you in a second. So let's get through, through more mental. I'm going to give you one more practical tip. So, you know, managing expectations is, is, uh, is important. The other thing that you can do, and it, this depends on the, in the context that you're in, right? The, the, the ecosystem that you play in, your facility and the other players, have a conversation with the other players, not in the moment, right? Don't make it awkward for the 
players being targeted. But if you're one of the better players in that facility, right, and that I assume you are if, you're, if your partner is the one getting targeted in these situations, have a conversation with your, with your peers, right, with the other players that are at your level and have an understanding that you're not going to freeze the player out, right? You're not going to not hit to that player, but that you're going to play more a more balanced game, right? You're going to try and direct some balls to the better players when they're opposite you and then give some balls to the uh, weaker player to get them involved in the game, but not targeting the weaker player. That's a conversation you can have as long as the ecosystem supports it. You know, you have, it's a friendly ecosystem. Everybody understand each other. Have that conversation, you know, off the court, uh, you know, perhaps even before or after the session, just to have a conversation about what to expect in terms of targeting. Uh, because here's the thing, it, you know, what goes around comes around, as they say, right? So if, you, if you're getting targeted this time, then, you know, whoever's doing the targeting may be the, the victim next time, right, of that kind of a play. So it, it helps everybody out, you know, and it helps the new player or the, the weaker player feel more confident and get better. And that, listen, at the end of the day, uh, you know, we want to enjoy the game, but we also want to let other players enjoy the game as well. Um, uh, it also, just from a selfish standpoint, you want other players to be able to get better because it helps you, right? You get more players to play against who are better and can push you. So, you know, that's a more positive environment for everybody. And then the, um, the other thing that you need to be really conscientious of when you're playing in a, in a heavily imbalanced situation is, is being extra supportive. And what I mean by this is, generally speaking, the weaker player is going to know that they're the weaker player, right? They're going to know that they're, you know, they're, they're, it's kind of like the old Sesame Street thing where they had the, you have the four objects and then like which doesn't fit in this situation. A lot of times a weaker player is aware that they don't exactly fit on the court in that situation. And so they're going to be particularly sensitive potentially to any negative feedback that you that that they may perceive. Even if you're not giving it to them, they may perceive negative feedback. So try to be extra careful with your you know your shoulders, your head moving, and things like that when the mistakes happen because you expect them to happen, right? Um, and one recommendation there would be to really make sure you turn towards your partner in that situation. In other words, turn towards the middle after every rally make eye contact, tap paddle, smile, whatever works for you, but do something to let them know that everything's going to be a-okay and not to, you know, and certainly, you know, to try and avoid the possibility that they're going to think that you're upset or, you know, disappointed in them somehow. Um, all right, so what, let me give you one more, those are three mental sides. Let me give you one more practical tip, which is this. When you're playing with a potentially weaker player, consider your position on the court to be more defensive. So uh, I'm going to use a baseball analogy slash metaphor here, which is think of yourself as being sort of like a center fielder and football would be like a safety, right? Where you're, you're taking a more um, a neutral defensive kind of position because what you're, you expect is that the weaker player, when they're put under stress, is going to result in some sort of a pop-up or they're going to try and hit an attack ball that's going to get countered and things like that. Put yourself in a position where you can do the most to help defend against that situation. And generally what I will do in those situations is I will play towards the middle and then a little bit behind the non-volley zone line. So maybe like a, a step or two off the non-volley zone line 
uh, you know, whenever my partner hits the ball and I see something that looks a little bit um, suspect, right, coming off the paddle, I'll take a step back, get myself nice and centered on the court, and give myself a chance to work on my defense and trying to reset the ball after that. So those are those are some things you can do when you're playing open play. At the end of the day, just remember that it's one game, right, or a couple of games during a session that you're that you're you know in that situation. It's not the end of the world. There's there's a lot of games to be played. You know, enjoy your moments on the court. Enjoy your time on the court in that situation. Uh, if you can have an understanding at your at your facility in terms of how you're going to deal with situations, the better. Uh, but even if you don't, um, you know, those are a couple, a few things that you can do to give yourself the best chance to in those games and to help uh, minimize the amount of targeting of your partner. So uh, hopefully those tips will help you and open play. Uh, and as you know, and it's just another step along our understanding, our thinking about the game, um, our application of, of sound concepts, sound ideas when we're out there playing this awesome uh, sport of pickleball. Um, as always, if you enjoyed the podcast, please share with your friends. If you know a player uh, who's on the journey and would benefit from hearing these words, then if you enjoyed the words and they helped you, I'm going to bet they're going to help that. As always, keep enjoying this gift. Keep enjoying this beautiful game that is pickleball. And I'll see you next time.